Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, May 7th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Europe's most powerful leader opposed the U.S. decision to support waiving COVID vaccine patents, and a Western telecommunications company struggles with heavy losses in Myanmar after the military coup. Plus, we'll talk with our markets editor, Katie Morton, about soaring commodity prices and a possible surge in inflation down the line. And that's when we start to see the whites of central bankers' eyes. One investor I was speaking to said it's going to be like a close combat bayonet fight between the markets and central bankers. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. German Chancellor Angela Merkel yesterday opposed the Biden administration's support to suspend intellectual property rights for COVID-19 vaccines. The move is aimed at boosting global vaccine production. Merkel said boosting vaccine supply wasn't an issue of patents, but one of production capacity and quality standards. The idea to waive vaccine patents has been pushed hard by South Africa and India at the World Health Organization, but the EU has been pushing back. Other world leaders weighed in on the matter, and Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, was all for the waivers. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, said he was open to the idea too, but he wasn't sure it would fix the bottlenecks. This week, the Norwegian telecommunications company Telenor said it wrote off its entire investment in Myanmar. It's worth nearly $800 million. Conditions in the country are deteriorating as the military dictatorship continues its brutal crackdown on protesters and citizens. As the FT's John Reed reports, the telecoms company is a key foreign investor in the country. The business has been suffering because of the regime's internet shutdowns, which have closed off traffic and communications. Their staff have been under pressure, um, and there's this general deep economic slump in Myanmar now. Nobody was asking Telenor to leave, uh, but you also, you have to ask how much longer they're going to want to be able to run this loss-leading business under very, very trying circumstances when their staff is under pressure, where there's day-to-day stress and a human rights emergency, effectively. So, John, what about other foreign investors? Where, where are they at? I don't think there's a major pulling out of foreign investors. I mean, it's not, to be fair, uh, really an FDI-driven economy. I think what you're seeing a lot more of, and this is by both Myanmar companies and foreign businesses, is that they're sort of going into hibernation because there's so little business to be done. You won't see big announcements of companies leaving, but a lot of you know, business has gone into deep freeze and quite a bit of it, I think, is never going to come back. John Reed is the FT Southeast Asia correspondent. Commodities have been rallying, all kinds of commodities, and it's fueling expectations of what's called a super cycle, or a prolonged period of high prices. Prices of many raw materials have been soaring because of demand from China, pandemic recovery spending programs in the U.S. and Europe, and also bets on the greening of the world economy. To talk more about this, I'm joined by our markets editor, Katie Martin. So Katie, first off, what is a super cycle? Well, so prices of things, you know, rise and fall over time, depending on what sort of state the economy is in and various other factors. But when you start talking about a super cycle, then that's when traders and investors are really looking at a massive shift in price. Potentially, it could last for years. And that's what people are starting to talk about with commodities now, because as you mentioned at the top there, they are just on the most extraordinary tear. 
Yeah, a little while ago, we talked about lumber and the crazy spike in the price of wood, you know, lumber being used for homes, of course, and people wanting to get out of their tiny apartments because of the pandemic. Um, I, we spoke to a, another correspondent at the FT about block cheese futures, um, <laughs> but, but but it seems all major commodities are rising. Metals, grain, sugar, the stuff that goes into catalytic converters. Yeah. Is it just on expectations of economic recovery or is, or is it higher demand across the board? Yeah. So that's one of the things that's really interesting about what's going on here is that it's not just one or two commodities. You know, the rally that we've seen in the price of lumber is really something. But there's a broad index of commodities prices run by S&P, and that's up by a quarter this year. And we're not even that far into this year. So the scale of what we're seeing is enormous. As you say, some of the drivers here include what's going on with China, the recovery there, the massive boom in government spending across, well, everywhere, and this greening of the world economy. Um, so traders are just saying they have never seen anything like it. And, you know, I guess in, in retrospect, you know, what we saw last year when the virus bit into the world economy is that all asset prices everywhere just sank like a stone. And this is the opposite of that. Everything is just ripping higher because the global economy is trying to reopen and it's quite difficult to do that from a standing start. So, you know, we've talked about this whole like couch to 5k concept when it comes to getting stuff out the door, right? Places shut down when the pandemic happened. So can a lot of this be attributed to the shortages while places get back up to speed or or is that just a, a small sliver of what's happening? So that is the million dollar question, right? So what economists are trying to work out now is, is all of this stuff transitory? Is this just exactly that, the couch to 5K, the couch to 100 meter dash kind of super sprint? You know, do we get this over and done with pretty quickly and then get back to normal? Or is this the start of something different? And honestly, nobody knows the answer to that yet. But in a sense, that's where the danger, in a way, lies for the for the global economy. Because if we start to see all of these price rises getting fed through to the you know everyday things that we consume and use and buy every day, then we start to see inflation really picking up. And then at a certain point, the pressure is just going to rise and rise and rise on big central banks to respond with pushing interest rates higher. And they really don't want to do that. They don't. They've been super clear they about super this. super don't, yeah. Like, we are prepared to let inflation run hot for a while before we raise interest rates because we're, we're not living through a normal period and because inflation has been super low for ages. And so we're prepared to kind of average it out. So, Kitty, what do you see happening next then? So... This summer is expected to be the real crunch point for, for central banks and their response to this potential massive upsurge in inflation. This is the worry that's out there. So over the summer is when some of the year-on-year -year comparisons with like bizarre price moves in markets uh, in 2020 will start to roll off. And then you just start to see month-on-month -month and year-on-year -year pickups in inflation that are not anything that we've been used to over the past few years. And that's when we start to see, the, you know, the whites of central bankers' eyes. Um, one investor I was speaking to today said it's going to be like, you know, a close combat bayonet fight between the markets and central bankers in terms of the bond market will be telling us, look, inflation is, is really pushing higher. And central bankers will be saying, no, no, let's just stay the course. We've got to stick with the policy that we 
put together and that we've committed to and we're going to keep interest rates nice and low until we're sure that we're out of this pandemic shock. So that's when this is going to start getting really sticky. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thank you, Katie. No problem. And before we go, the prestigious New York City restaurant 11 Madison Park was known for its $300 menu, offering everything from caviar to suckling pig to lavender braised duck. But the pandemic has been a turning point for its chef, Daniel Hume. When he reopens 11 Madison Park next month, the pricing will remain the same, but Hume is making the entire menu vegan. And the famous chef is part of a growing awareness of the impact of meat eating on the environment. The FT's Henry Mance has written a whole book on this. You know, if we continue with our current diets, then we're going to need cropland and pasture land of about twice the size of India, or nearly twice the size of India, by 2050. You can't magic that out of nowhere. That would have to come from forests and grasslands being lost. Mance's book is about the need to give up meat and dairy to protect our environment and animals. I want my kids to grow up in a world where they can feel comfortable with all the animals they see in their storybooks and that we've put some thought and some compassion into our treatments of those other species. Henry's book is called How to Love Animals in a Human-Shaped World. He says veganism is actually about being true to our human values. So we already think we live in a world where to love animals is an incredibly important thing. And you see it, politicians adopting puppies, whether it's Emmanuel Macron, Boris Johnson, Joe Biden. You know, that, that's a way of showing you're a great human is to extend love and charity to animals. The problem is that we don't follow through in all our actions. That's the FT's chief features writer, Henry Mance. He was speaking to Gideon Rockman. You can hear the full interview in this week's Rockman Review podcast. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.